My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. This morning I'll be focusing on St. Paul's epistle to the Thessalonians, and the sermon title this morning is Flattery, Greed, and Glory. So in the beginning of the passage that we heard read this morning from 1 Thessalonians, we hear St. Paul talk about something that happened to him in Acts chapter 16 and in chapter 17, where he says, Our coming to you was not in vain, and we had suffered, had been shamefully treated at Philippi. And what happens is that Paul and Silas, they go to Philippi, and they start ministering the gospel. And many of us know the story. There's a, a, a demon uh, that has possessed a slave girl. And she's, uh, her owners are using her to tell people's fortunes. And so as Paul and Silas walk into the city, she starts following them around, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who show us the way to salvation. And St. Paul, it says, is vexed in his spirit. And he turns around and he casts the spirit out of the girl. And it causes a lot of problems because she made her owners a lot of money. And this leads to them being uh, arrested and beaten and thrown in prison. And in the story, they sing hymns and are divinely rescued by an earthquake. And we know the story, the jailer and his family become believers in Jesus. Then Paul confronts the magistrates as he's a Roman citizen and what they did to him was illegal. So they're like, leave the city quietly. And he's like, no, you will lead us out of the city. And they're like, fine. And they lead him out of the city and they go on to Thessalonica where then something similar happens. They walk into the city, they start preaching, they get some converts, a mob forms, leads them over to the magistrate there. And they, the whole thing basically just kind of fizzles out. And... Paul and Silas stay for a little while and then they move on. So St. Paul tells them, he references in his letter to them, reminds them of what happened to him as he came to them to bring them the gospel. And this is important. In spite of everything that he experienced there, he was not afraid to preach the gospel to them with boldness. And he says that I did so in the midst of conflict. In the midst of conflict. And it's interesting that the Christian life grows in conflict. And maybe we'll look at this a little bit later. Him ministering to them in spite of this conflict happening to him is basically the proof, the evidence of his testimony that what he's telling to them is true. In other words, I'm suffering to bring this message of the gospel to you. And he focuses on this because he mentions three other controlling motivations or methods or tools of manipulation that people may use to try to get people to come over to their cause or to get something they want. And the first one he references in 1 Thessalonians is flattery. Flattery. He says, we never came with words of flattery, as you know. Why would someone use flattery if they were trying to communicate something to you? Because it's a tool of manipulation. Can it be effective? Well, yeah, flattery can be effective, which is why people use it so often. Sometimes it's very easy to see through. 
Sometimes you know when someone is trying to butter you up a little bit. But sometimes it's hard to see through. And we just heard uh, at the end of the gospel reading, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him, what's the greatest commandment? And then he gives them the answer and he asks them a question in return, a question that they can't answer because if they answer it the way that they should, it's the acknowledgement that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. And last week we heard him uh, being challenged by them again, right? When they said, Who, who's, like, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Trying to trap him. But how do they start that off? Remember, they don't just come to him and say, Jesus, answer me this question. They say, oh, Jesus, we know that you speak the word of truth. We know that you don't flatter anyone. We know how you say it like it is. Right on. What about this? Jesus doesn't fall for it. Jesus never uses it either, and neither do the apostles. You see, flattery comes from a place of insecurity. If not thinking about what we are about to ask or want to do is worthy of consideration. So we feel the need to grease the wheels a little bit. It's not genuine. It's fake. But it's a tool of manipulation that people usually get something desired. If they want to keep something or lessen the consequences from bad decisions. Flattery. The next thing he talks about is greed. He says that I did not come with words of flattery nor as a, with, as a pretext for greed. God is witness. St. Paul does not use the gospel as a pretext for greed. He does not use the gospel as a means by which he can enrich himself. A few weeks ago we heard the text read from Philippians where he says, I have learned in all things to be content. Sometimes I have enough, I am content. Sometimes I'm lacking, I am content. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We talked about how that's not something that you put on a sports jersey to give yourself more energy to kick the field goal. That's talking about how we can learn in any situation in life that we find ourselves to be content with what God has given us in Christ. Contentment. And that is the answer and the antidote to this greed. Because even back then the faith was seen by the unscrupulous as a method by which they could enrich themselves. I, I'm thinking of Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts. Uh, St. Philip goes to Samaria and he starts preaching the gospel. And people are converted. He's praying for the sick, like Jesus did. The sick are being healed. He baptizes a bunch of people. And so the apostles are called in from Jerusalem to come to the Samaritans and to lay their hands on the people so they can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Simon the sorcerer, right, he in the community up until that point was a big deal. But then after the apostles come, his social standing probably dips a heck of a lot. Because after they've had this encounter with Christ through his apostles, they're not going to come to him anymore, right? They don't need his magics. They don't need his paganism. They've received Christ. And so Simon comes to them. He himself is baptized. And he comes to St. Peter. And he's like, and he tries to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit with money. He says, you know, give, sell me this too so I can do the same things. So he could use the Holy Spirit to enrich himself. The same thing that he did with his magic. And St. Peter responds, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Simon the sorcerer has chosen greed over Christ. 
And church history tells us that Simon actually becomes one of the first heretics of the church and actually works in opposition to the church. And this wickedness exists today, brothers and sisters. Greed as a motivation for doing good, for, for sharing the gospel. It absolutely continues. Sometimes it's interesting the things that come up on our social media, uh, our feeds, right? One day I was, I was standing at the microwave, my, uh, upstairs, microwaving some, downstairs, microwaving some lunch. And I was just flipping through my Instagram while my, I don't know, it was... Whatever it was, it was good, I remember. It was Franks and Beats. While it's heating up, right, I'm looking through my Instagram feed while it's heating up in the microwave. And there's this televangelist that's on there. And I'm like, I really shouldn't. But I click on it anyway. So I know, I'm a sucker for punishment. And so what he does is he starts talking to the people about how big his house is. And he's like, I have a mansion. And to have a mansion, it can't be a small house. It's got to be a big house. You can't have a small, you got to have, it's a mansion, it's so big. And he starts talking about how big it is, how it's furnished. He talks about how God started, he gave it all to him because he's been such a good boy, right? And, and oh, it's so big. And then he goes, but I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging. I'm just trying to share with you how God has blessed me, so maybe he can bless you too. And I thought to myself, really? It sounded an awful lot like bragging. It sounded an awful lot. Like the reason why you're doing this is so you can live in a mansion. And that's what this minister does. Not only does he have mansions, but he also has airplanes. And when he needs a new airplane, what he does is he goes to his people in the, online and in the meetings and he's like, God, this airplane's getting old. God told me to buy a new airplane, so I need to buy a new airplane. Let's do this. And people give him money and he buys a new airplane. I tell you, brothers and sisters, he has had his reward. And what's awaiting him should drive him to repentance. Because he does, he symbolizes, he, not symbolizes, he is the epitome of what, say, Paul is talking about here. People who use flattery and greed, as we'll get to in a minute, to draw glory to themselves. Glory that should belong to Christ. To enrich themselves. The manipulation of others. And that leads us to the third thing that St. Paul talks about. He talks about glory. He says, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So St. Paul right away says, listen, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, I could have demanded these things from you. And many times in St. Paul's ministry, the things that he says he could demand from them is, you know, compensate me for the work that I'm doing. But oftentimes what he would do is when he would go into a city, he would work as a tent maker to support himself so he could say, I didn't do this work among you to enrich myself. I worked in this, I worked in this field for a while until the church got established and then maybe you started supporting me after. Because he, he's not trying to seek his own glory. Seeking glory for oneself is tied in with pride. Seeking glory for oneself is tied in with the things that we just spoke about. I mean, and it's not a sin to know that you've accomplished something and to feel good about it, right? It's not a sin when someone's like, hey, that was a really good job. That was a really good job. 
over this last, past couple days, I was away at a conference, and a couple of people came up to me, and they said some very kind things to me about things that I've done and said and how much has helped them. And I'm immediately like, it feels good to hear that, that things that you do are having an effect on people, right? It feels good to hear that. It, feel, it feels good to hear from you the things that God is doing in your life. I love to hear that stuff. I love it. And it feels good to hear that. The problem is, is when that feeling of, oh wow, that, was, that felt really good, that becomes a controlling, overarching thing for why you do what you do. And there's lots and lots of people, not just in pulpits, but in other places, where that glory, that adulation, they, they need it. They need to hear about how good they are. They need to hear about how great they are. The problem with glory is that when you seek it, you will sacrifice everything to get it. You will sacrifice everything to get it. Greed is tied in with this. Because as we receive glory from the world around us, often it's tied in with, with money. With financial gain. And this creates celebrity culture. And this absolutely exists in the church. In the Christian church, there are little celebrities that pop up from time to time that build these huge ministries. People who, who, who are trying, they may try to bring glory to Jesus, but many of them find themselves later having brought glory to themselves. In Acts 12, Herod, he goes to a place and he gives an oration to the people that are gathered there. And it must have been a really great speech or they were really just trying to flatter him because they respond to his speech, the voice of a God and not a man, the voice of a God and not a man. And Herod's like, right on, right on, the voice of a God and not a man, mm. yes. But what happens? He died, yeah, exactly. He struck down because he's not a God. And all of that, that glory and adulation that he's feeding on doesn't belong to him. It belongs to God. It belongs to Christ. See, brothers and sisters, glory, greed, and flattery are all things that will continually be a temptation for us. And it will continually be a temptation even for people whose, whose role it is, whose vocation it is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And we need to be mindful. We need to be wary. The scripture reminds us of Satan and his devices. And if we can get caught up in this cycle of glory, greed, and flattery, it endangers our very soul. And I think the answer to the seeking of glory and greed and flattery is what he then says. He talks about, I worked among you in gentleness and sharing, he says, our lives together. And these two can't be overstated. Gentleness and sharing. The gospel has been used by many as a hammer by which to hit somebody over the head. Have you met people like that? I have. Have you been a person like that? I have. Have you ever heard a conversation 
or one person might be talking to another person, maybe about a physical illness or, or maybe about something very personal happening to them. And then somebody else who wasn't in the conversation comes over and is like, you should just trust God more. You should just have more faith. You should just believe even harder. How do you even do that? How do you believe even harder? I've never understood that. Just have more faith. How, how do you get more faith? Is faith even a thing that you can get more and more of? Like you just slosh faith out and then I have to go and I get some more? The gospel is not a hammer. The gospel is a balm. Now, to those who reject the gospel, the gospel may seem like a hammer. To those who judge themselves by rejecting it, the gospel should, may feel like a hammer. But that's not the fault of the gospel. That's the state of their hearts. And St. Paul and his co-workers don't just share the gospel. They're, they're, they'll just tell a message. They share their lives with the people in Thessalonica. They come and they live among them. They come and they serve them. They experience with them the highs and the lows of life. The good and the bad. All centered around Jesus Christ. All centered around the gospel that they proclaimed. And we should ask ourselves, as individuals and as a church, whose glory are we seeking? Whose glory are we seeking? As a church, are we seeking Christ's glory? Are we seeking our own glory? Come to us because we're so great, and we are. We are. Here we are. But are we seeking our own glory? Or are we seeking Christ's? Are we seeking to honor Christ? Or are we seeking to just exist? And as individuals in our daily lives, whose glory are we seeking? Are we seeking our own glory, our own aggrandizement? Or are we seeking Christ's glory by living in a way that honors him? And brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. This is not something that you're just going to get one time and you're going to be able to do for the rest of your life. It would be easy if it, <laughs> I wish it was that way. But it's not. This is a day-by-day this is a day-by-day -day walk. This is the Christian life. This is the working out, as St. Paul says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The living of the Christian life. This is our task. To daily be converted. To daily turn our hearts to Christ. To love one another, as we heard in the gospel. The greatest commandment, Jesus says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. We are to seek the glory of our neighbor in Christ's name. Are we pursuing anything at the expense of pursuing Christ? Are we manipulating people and things to try to get what we want? I hope not. I hope not. And I think that the good things that we do prove out the motivation of our hearts. Right, we don't do things like this with the food drive because we don't love others. We do this because we love our neighbors as ourselves. Christ has shared his life with us.
See, Paul reminds us, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And Christ has united us with himself. And so the love that he gave us, we are to seek that, to give that to others as we seek Christ's glory. As we seek his glory by sidestepping the things that would entrap us. By looking out for flattery. By looking out for greed. By looking out, trying to make ourselves more glorious than we really are. As individuals and as, and as a church. Christ has given himself for us. And we should respond in love by doing the same in his name for others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast for Zion Stone Church. I'm Reverend Mike Lanthman, and I'd like to extend to you an invitation, if you're ever in our area, to please worship with us Sunday mornings at 1015. If you'd like to get a hold of me, or would like some information about the church, or just have some questions, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page or via email. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.